Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here today. We welcome you. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. And we welcome all of those that may be joining us live or even on demand on theantioch.com. We welcome you this morning to our sanctuary. We pray that you're blessed today. Amen. I just w- just want to say something small uh, from my, just, I just want to say it, feel to say it. In the light of a, like, in the, in the light of the last few months and especially the last year or two and all the changes that have taken place in our country that go contrary to what we stand for, even in the midst of all that, there's no other place I'd rather be today than in this country. And for one, one big reason is we're standing here today lifting hands in a sanctuary with no threat of what can be done. And some of you heard, uh, I think it was uh, maybe last Sunday night, I think it was, we prayed. But a good friend of mine and also been to this church, and I've preached in his church in Singapore, uh, Brother Timothy Lee. They were in China, and they were being chased everywhere and up every alley because they were there and were found out they were they were uh, um, there for religious purposes. And so, again, I know a lot of us, when we hear those stories, because it's on the other side of the world, we don't really let that sink in. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I am no way, I'm in no way trying to minimize what has been done, because I know a lot of you are very passionate about what has been done, and uh, rightfully so, but I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But nothing that our government can do or can pass can stop the work of God. They can pass whatever they want to pass, but God is bigger than any man-made organization or any country or any constitution. God is bigger. We may make us a little more uncomfortable, but God is bigger. But I just wanted to say, I know a lot of you, you're ready to jump ship, but I'm just asking you, where is your ship going to go? Because I guarantee you, as your ship leaves, there's three other ships wanting to get here. So if three ships are coming and your little rowboat's leaving, that's telling me something that where they're going, where they're at may not be that great. So instead of getting all flustered and want to leave, why don't you get on your knees and say, God, bring revival. We'll solve all this. Amen. Praise God. I want to just share with something this morning, and it's a holiday, and a lot of you have maybe family and hang hungover from... Maybe your ears are ringing today from the booms of the fireworks. And I haven't come here today with some great uh, um, deep thought. I just something struck me the um, last few days, and I just want to uh, share that with you for a few moments this morning. Matthew chapter 25, a very familiar parable or story that Jesus gave as illustration of a principle is found in Matthew 25 and verse 14. And for clarity and um, readability, I'm going to give it to you in the New Living Translation. It says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated 
by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useful servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. There are dozens, literally, and I don't mean that to just be dramatic. There are literally dozens of applications and directions that you can go in from the story we have just read. And being in church for almost 35 years and listening at this point to well into the thousands of messages, I feel like I've probably heard about every which way that you can preach, teach, talk on this uh, story. So I come to you today readily admitting that you... that. Reading the story, it's pretty self-explanatory in reading it. It doesn't take much theological understanding or even much study uh, to understand the point of what Jesus was trying to say or what he was trying to illustrate. But there are several things that today, just for the few moments that we're here together, that I would like to point out to you that I feel like for you and I are very, very important. Because for most of us, we hang our salvation on the fact that we were washed in the name of Jesus during baptism and we were filled 
with the Spirit when we were baptized with the Holy Ghost. And because of those two factors in our life, we have a get-out-of-jail-free card that somehow allows us to get straight into heaven without passing go, without collecting $200 because we've done what was asked for us to do. But without going too deep in it today, theologically, or giving you a long Bible study, which I always enjoy talking about this subject, but... It's not hard to study and realize that baptism and infilling of the Holy Ghost, the initial infilling of the Holy Ghost, as was spoken about in John chapter 3 and given to us in Acts chapter 2, are not salvation. Very simply, that's, that's easily described because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. It simply says, you work out your own salvation. So if simply being baptized and in filling of the Holy Ghost is equal to salvation, then the day you got self, you, the day you did that, that, that was the day you were saved, and there would be no reason to say today is the day of salvation. But those were the path, was the path to redemption and restoration. Because in that path of restoration, you are restoring back what was originally designed all the way back in the beginning in Genesis 1 where man had communion with God on a level that he lost when he sinned in the garden. Okay, we're going to really need to get a Bible study here soon because we got some blank stares coming back at me. But the problem is we look at Salvation as an event and not a process. If salvation was an event, there would be no reason to ever live past the moment you got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. But salvation, redemption is an event, but salvation is a process. It's something every day that I'm choosing to allow the Lord to work in my life. And he gives us this story. There are many applications to this, as I said. I mean, we could talk about this. And I've heard some people talk about you got the one talent people and you got the two talent people and you got the five talent people. You got all this stuff. And, and, then, and then there's some other, some other revelations to this, uh, uh, um, to this scripture that are very important, but but really, it's the overall theme of the story that I want to just touch on for a moment today. And that is, it's not simply good enough to just take what you've got and put it in your pocket and hope you make it to heaven. It's not good enough simply to go to church and pay your dues to make it to heaven. Because there are going to be some that get to heaven and are standing there at the throne of judgment and they look at Jesus and they say, listen, I know you were hard. You expected so much out of me. You just see all the temptation, all the stuff we were dealing with and you were hard. And so because of that, I knew it was just all you wanted just if I could get to church. If I could just get to church every Sunday morning, that was going to be good. And he 
look down and go, really? That, that's, that was your expectation of what was given to you? Because Paul later tells us something very unique in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse number three, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Now watch this last phrase, according, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. God hath dealt every man a measure of faith. What does that mean? That means at the moment of your new birth experience, when you step out of carnality into spirituality, when you are, when, when your, when your spirit comes alive because his, your spirit is, is, is intertwined with his spirit and, and the adoption problem, process whereby we call Abba Father and that that connection is made at that moment he said I give you a measure of faith but the question to us today is what do we do with what God gives us how are you taking care of what God has given you. Because you, you see, by studying that out, really, you can see that the measure of faith in that scripture doesn't mean an arbitrary thing. It's, it, it implies, if you study in the Greek, it, it, it implies that there is, that there, it, there, there, there almost is a, a uniform measurement. I don't know if God's got like a scoop up there or not. I don't know. But he's got a uniform measurement that he gives all of us at that moment. So why does it seem like some elevate themselves higher in faith than others? First of all, it can't be intellectual ability. Because if it was based on intellectual ability, then God's favorites. Right? So we should give you an IQ test. Before we give you a Bible study. And based on your IQ, we'll determine whether or not it's even worth even sharing the Bible with you. Because you're not smart enough to understand it. But I know some that don't even have a high school education that know more about the Bible than those with PhDs. So it's not intellectual ability. So it doesn't determine it based on, on your natural ability. In fact, most of the time, our natural ability are more hindrances to us than blessings to us. Because our natural abilities, we spend so much time trying to show God how we can do it, and He spends more time showing us how we can't do it. And the more we try, the more He proves we can't. So, so the measure is not based off of 
the, the growth of that measure is not based off ability, but more based off the availability. Because the fact of the matter is, if, if all of us start at an equal playing field, because all of us started coming out of that water, and we were made equal at that water. Didn't matter what color you are today. Doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your education. Doesn't matter how much money you've got. Doesn't matter who your mom, your dad was, who your aunt, your uncle was, your grandfather was, your grandmother was. It doesn't matter anything you did or didn't do. That water equalizes everybody. That's the great thing about this body of believers is that we're not a select group today. We don't check your credentials at the door. We've got some in here today that don't have two pennies to rub together. And we have some here today that it's too much work for you to bend over and pick up two pennies because you got enough. We got some here today that you could write a book and there's some here today that couldn't read a book. But the great part about it is we're here today and we're all able to be in a room where we're able to equally and jointly lift up and praise the name of Jesus and fellowship together without any bias. And the awesome thing is... If you didn't know, if you're, if you're a stranger here today and I brought you up here and I asked you to pick out those people, you wouldn't be able to pick them out. You know why? Because that's truly what heaven's going to be like. Let me just say this, and I don't mean this to be, I, I know this is a very fine line in the world we live in, but there's not a white heaven and a black heaven. There's not an English heaven and a Spanish heaven. There's not an Asian heaven and a European heaven and an Australian heaven and a United States heaven and a Latino heaven. It's one place. So those who want to separate down here will never be able to exist up there. Oh, I know I'm, I know I'm a little in a little sacred ground here, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick. I'm trying to make a point. The fact of the matter is this right here is the biggest work of grace because this right here shows heaven on earth. The fact that we've got people from different cultures, different races, different backgrounds that come together. There's no tension in this room. There's no bias in this room. We're all together. I don't look around and see color or race or creed or language. We're all children of God here today because we are serving the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. So the measure that we are given, and I'm not going to be much longer than, it may not get much deeper than this, so we're snorkeling, we're not diving. <laughs> the measure that we are given at that moment of, re, uh, uh, of, of, of spiritual conception is given to all of us Equally. So why do some go beyond simply that measure? 
Because ultimately, it's you and I are charged to do something with what we're given. Because you know what? At birth, a child may not be mature enough or strong enough or have the ability to use all the bodily tools that it has. But at birth, it has everything it needs to survive. I know this is simple, folks. But your child is not born without certain functions that as they get to certain birthdays, you attach them to them. You don't go to Babies R Us and say, well, you know what? I really want a left arm today and uh, a right foot because that really, my child is ready for that. And you take it off and you screw it in. No. They're born. They don't have the ability to walk. They don't have the ability to use what they have. They don't have the ability to use all the functions of their body, but they're born with those functions. As they grow and mature, the expectation that you have is they're going to get strong enough as they grow to begin to use the tools that were given to them at birth. And as they get stronger, then every day as they get, that's the, the awesome thing that I, I that, that it, those of you that have children and have watched your children grow, that's just to me one of the coolest things about watching a child is that it's almost literally moment by moment because it's one moment they can't do something and literally it seems like the next moment they can do it and it's like they've never not been able to do it. Forgive the double negative. And it's remarkable to see how quickly they're able to adapt and pick up with stuff. And it's like now they do it, boom. And God often used the, the natural to illustrate the spiritual. And the fact of the matter is, is that there is a certain point in time as your child grows that you look at them and you say to them, you're big enough now. My daughter, she's five years old, and she's she she's she uh, uh, um, she loves to be. I don't mean this negatively, but she loves to be babied. I just she loves that. She loves that. She loves to be babied. She's not a baby. She's she's really very mature for five. But she loves to be baby, but she weighs like a small house. The mother's over there telling me, Joe, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I mean, come on. I'm, I'm tall. My wife's tall. You know, as the doctor told us, the great Danes don't breed chihuahuas. So I'm tall. She's tall. She's my daughter's tall. So she's not, I got to go home with my wife. I'm not saying she's, she's not, but she's, she's, so she's, she gets heavy quick. And there's times that, no, I'll, we were in Disney World. She's, we're walking around. And God forbid, you figure you rent a stroller for the little one. And all the, all the little one wants to do is walk. And the big one wants to ride. I'm like. But after a while, she's like, can you carry me? And you carry about 15 feet. And you look at her and say, listen. 
legs you have work. I would love to carry you, but you're at the point now where you can walk on your own. You gotta use those legs. And you ever had an opportunity, a point? And I've never, I've never done this. I've watched. My, my, I'll never forget. My, my wife went through this. But have you ever broken a bone in your leg? And you get a cast or something, and it immobilizes that, and you don't use it. And I'll never forget. We went to the doctors. And, and, and the bone wasn't healing very quickly. And, and he said to my wife as, as the healing process, he said, listen, you have to use this or it won't heal. Because if you don't use this, you'll lose strength in it. And if you lose strength in it, when you finally, the bone gets healed, the leg won't be strong enough to function. There are so many of us that we have not spiritually progressed out of the baby carrier. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We, we haven't progressed out of the, the, the bottle stage of spirituality. And the problem with that is, is that there comes a point in time like the mother with the eaglet, that God in his desperation and his love, not, not, not anger, but love, has to pick you out of your comfort zone and say, listen, I love you enough not to leave you in this condition and picks us up over that proverbial cliff where we feel like it's nothing but doom and drops us off the cliff and our world goes into chaos as we flap and flap and flap trying to gain it but does not do that out of hate and strife but he does it out of love because he's given us the ability to fly you've heard this preacher you heard it talked about but that mother gets in that nest and she's got it perfectly and she's got all kinds of feathers and layers and carpet and drapes and everything in this nest and it is this comfort warm beautiful place but eventually she knows if this stays this way they'll never leave and she shows up one day and she's lost her mind and she goes ripping down the curtains, pulling up the carpet, ripping feathers out and exposing the, the, the sharp, jagged edges of the twigs and sticks in there. And all of a sudden, now what used to be a place of comfort now starts to get uncomfortable. Now we're used to be able to lay and relax and refresh and replenish and get fed from. Now it doesn't satisfy anymore. Now it hurts a little bit. Now you, you're beginning to think, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. And, and my God, she's lost her mind. She went out flying. She came back. She get an argument with dad. What happened? I mean, she's crazy. And now she's ripping up everything and like stop and then the worst thing of all she reaches down instead of to pass along food she reaches down grabs and can you imagine what's going through that little eaglet's mind what mom what are you doing have you lost your mind and she climbs to the edge of that nest looks over the hundred two hundred feet whatever it is off the edge 
And that bird's going, no, she's not. No, no, she, she can't do it. No, no. This can't be happening to me. And she lets go. And then, knowing all that, knowing all that, God chooses in Isaiah to say, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Boy, that sounds majestic, doesn't it? I'm going to wait on God down in prayer. And when that moment of strength comes, I'm going to preach for a second. When that moment of strength hits me in prayer, I'm going to spread my wings. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to soar. The fact of the matter is you don't become an eagle until you're first an eaglet. You don't wake up as a full grown eagle. You're not born as a full grown eagle eagle soaring above the clouds you're born as that babe in the nest but it's what you do while you're in the nest that determines are you going to be a flyer or a walker and that's why so many of us today it seems like over the last little bit our world that seemed to be so comfortable to us, where we had found a place in God that we could do well and we could walk in, and this was a good place, a place of comfort. You know, you, you get saved, and you're on that spiritual honeymoon. Everything is good. I mean, God can never fail. He always answers prayers. Church is awesome. Every message you hear is like, I mean, just, you, you couldn't, you just... You go home just on cloud nine. Every song played is the best. Every word spoken speaks right to you. And for that first while, I mean, this is the greatest thing in the history of, of, of everything. This is awesome. And a year later, you come to church, you're mad. Every song, are we singing that song again? The preacher, is he preaching again? My goodness, stop. Would you stop? Come on, I got to go. What happens in that year? Does God somehow forget how to be God? No. But you were born in the nest, but it's not your destiny to stay in the nest. You were born in comfort, but you were born to fly. And so guess what God does? Not hate, not strife. How many times do we think in our lives, let's be honest, okay? I'll be the first one to put my hand up. How many times do we think, God, do you have a clue what you're doing? Why are you exposing all these twigs? And now places that didn't used to hurt, now we're being poked. Memories that used to be were gone away, now all of a sudden, one day we wake up and these memories flood us, and now we're being poked. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are we doing, God? Why are you poking? Whoa, whoa. Can you make it go away? And then God is losing his mind. God's asking us to go and step out and do things. We're like, whoa, whoa, stop. What are you doing? You're supposed to be the God of love that brings me my food. In my bed of down and comfort and fluffiness. And I'll stay here. This is a good life. 
why, why would you go crazy and, and, and start revealing things in me? Why would you start allowing memories and thoughts and, and situations that, I, that happen? Why would you want to start dealing with those? Leave those alone. Leave me in my nest. I'm good. But if he leaves you in your nest, you'll die in your nest. If he leaves you where you started, you'll die where you started. But out of love, we don't think of love that way. We think of love as this mushy emotion. But love is when you do something for somebody and you do what's best for them, sometimes even when they don't even realize that's what you're doing. But in love, he comes along and he messes up your world. And all of a sudden now, what seemed to be this perfect utopia that you could dwell in for the rest of your life now seems to be chaotic and crazy. Why? Why? Because you can't get stronger unless there's some resistance that you've got to work through. I'm sorry. I can do this all day long. And it's not going to make me one ounce stronger. Because... There's no resistance to this. You take maybe a two-year-old, you give them this, and they do it. They can get stronger because there's resistance. Unfortunately, for those of you that have been around a while, we're past the water bottle stage of tests. We're, we're in the 50-pound curl test now. In the 75 pound curl. That's where we are. Because now, because we've grown in Christ. Now, he says, to make you grow stronger, I've got to up the resistance. But all that is done, not in judgment or in harshness or in punishment. Because ultimately, he's more concerned and more passionate about you becoming what he wants you to become than you are. And listen to me this, and I, I close with this. The devil always judges your, your future based off your past. Because that's all he has. He always uses your past as a prediction of future. But God always predicts the future... Out of the destiny. Oh, we got some unbelief. We got to shake up for a moment here. God will never predict your future out of your past. Because in God, you have no past. How can God predict a future out of something he doesn't even remember? How can God predict?
predict a future out of something when he said when you become a new creature you leave your old past behind it's washed but not only that you get a new name a new family a new father where you came from no longer matters because now you've got a new bloodline so he will never predict what you're going to be by what you used to be but the devil comes along and says because of what you used to be this is what you're going to be but God says I'm already where you're going to be and I see where you are if you would just let me keep working on you and leading you I already know what you're going to be because I'm standing where you're going to be So what does that mean? That means for you and me, it's my job and my responsibility and my calling given by God to take what he has given me, not put it in my pocket and go into hermit mode and try to just make it to heaven, but take what he's given to me and say, God, you've given this to me because you've entrusted me with it. Now I'm going to take what you've given me. You've given me a measure of faith. I'm going to take that measure of faith and I'm going to begin to work on it. And you know what? You know how sometimes you can build strength the fastest? Work until you get to failure. If you always do something until until you get to the point where, well, that's good enough. That feels good. I'm going to stop right there. That doesn't build anything. You know what? Sometimes along the way, You pray for people, and they don't get healed. You pray for people, and they don't get delivered. You do what God tells you to do, and you get out of the boat, and you do sink on the water. But it's in those moments of perceived failure that strength is actually given. Strength is not always given in triumph. But I'm telling you that Peter would have never got up off the mat of the, of, of, of denying Christ three times if he would never had that walking on water experience. So my challenge to you today is this, or not my challenge, but I feel like the Lord has spoken the challenge to all of us is what are you doing with what he gave you? Because we think, I'll be judged based off, well, I got baptized, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm looking not of what I started, but I'm looking at what you allowed me to finish. And what are you doing with what God has given to you. The measure of faith that was given to you, what are you doing with it? Can we stand this morning? Can I be so bold to say in the Holy Ghost that there's some of you right now in situations where it seemed like life was heading along in perfect bliss and harmony and all of a sudden out of nowhere it seems like your world was turned into chaos. I'm not saying that carte blanche for every situation in here today. I know there's a lot of different stories being told here, different situations. So please, I'm not saying this fits every foot. But I'm saying there's some of you in here today that what you're going through is the product of God loving you enough to not allow you to live in your comfort 
but to challenge you to fly. You've heard me tell this story before. I'll say, I'll tell it again. Some of you already know this, but there's a few of you who probably never heard this. But there was a church of ducks. They lost their pastor. And so the ducks prayed. And finally, the Lord sent along a new duck pastor. This duck pastor was full of faith. He was a great, great believer in God. And so the first time the duck pastor got up in front of the duck church, he began to speak to the ducks about who they were, how great they were. And he told the ducks, he said, you have the ability to fly. You were destined to fly. You weren't destined to stay in your pond, but you were destined to, to flap your wings and to fly. And all the ducks quacked with excitement because of what the duck preacher was saying. All of them were excited because they heard the duck preacher say, you can fly, you can fly, we're going to fly, we're going to fly. And the ducks got excited. And at the end, the duck preacher finally gave them his final words and says, every duck in here, you are destined to fly to great heights. And all the ducks quacked one more time. And when it was all said and done, they waddled home. You see, it's not good enough just to hear what's being said. Because I can't tell me times in 35 years of coming to church, someone said, this is what's going to happen, and we just waddle home. Instead of being challenged to say, you know what, God? I'm not saying I like it. You know, there's nothing in the Word that says we have to like everything God does, right? I don't like it. I wish you'd find a new way to do it. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Father, you see each individual in this place today. Every one of us uniquely formed and created by your hand of creation. God, you know each one of us, our, our uprisings, our sittings, our faults, weaknesses, failures, thoughts. Pain, problems, and pressures. You know all of that, God. In fact, you went so far to tell us that you know the answer before the question's even spoken. And God, because of that, you know each one of our unique abilities and situations. You know the thoughts in our minds, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief, the frustration, the emptiness, the questions, longing for answers. God, you see all of that in this moment. But Lord, above all that today, I pray that inside our hearts, beyond just our mental capacities, but in the seed of our lives, in the, in the center of our lives, that you would place in us a fresh desire and a fresh hunger to be what you've called us to be. To go where you called us to go. To step out in the place you called us to step out in. And not to be satisfied with simply surviving. But know God that you have given us each a destiny and a calling and a purpose. That you have placed in all of us. 
before we even came out of the womb, you placed it in us. God, we, we, we get so caught up sometimes in our human frailties, our human frustrations. But Lord, your grace and your mercy is sufficient. I speak upon everyone in this room today a fresh revelation of who we are and who you are in us and through us. I speak all these things, God. Lord, that we would be able to participate in what you're doing and become who you've called us to be. Let all of these things be done in your name, to your glory, and to your, your kingdom. In Jesus' name, praise God. Amen. Take a moment before you leave. Shake somebody's hand. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. Greet them. God bless each and every one of you. Those of you that are able tonight, don't forget 6 o'clock. God bless.